since he is the chief Purusha and suitable for the job of creation. You create the gunas by your maya. Since this implies dependence on some other entity, maya, Srinath Swami explains that maya is a shakti of the Lord. You are not invested with power by another living being like others are. Does this remind us of a conversation between Prahlad and Narendra Kashyapuna? Narendra Kashyapuna, where did you get your power? He says, from the same place you're getting your power from God. But God doesn't have to get his power from anyone. So we'll read that again. You are not invested with power by another living being like others are. You give shelter to yourself by yourself. Can you read that again? You give shelter to yourself by yourself. Since you are not dependent on others, you create the gunas by your shakti. You create the universe by those gunas which you have created and maintain and destroy the universe also. You do not depend on others, such as on Kalba, and thus and are thus the Lord Ishvara. Atmanat Mashraya Purvam Mayaya Sashvajunam Tyre Dam Satchasankalpa Sujasyatyasyava Ishvara. You are the shelter of all souls and being the supreme controller, you fulfill your desire simply by your will. By your personal creative potency, you manifest it in the beginning, the primal modes of material nature, and through their agency, you create, maintain, and then destroy this universe. So this is about how the Lord is Swarat. Uh, Rat is derived from Raj, and Swam means your own. You are your own king. You have full autonomy, yes. To be autonomy, to manage yourself, uh, all of us would like to have some measure of autonomy, isn't it? Anybody here want to be completely dependent on others? It's not a, it's something we're all afraid of. We're all afraid that I'll get, I'll get some disease or I'll have some accident or just get old where I'll be dependent on others. Isn't it? It's one of our, our greatest fears. I remember my... Uh, my youngest son, Keisha, was saying, the worst part of being a child is your helplessness. How much you're dependent on others. Someone else tells you when to go to sleep, and you know you have to finish your, your broccoli before you can have your cookie. And we're thinking, I can't wait until I become an adult and I can eat my cookie before my broccoli. Right? We want this swarat. We want to have this independence. Uh, but the Lord is fully independent. He is the Sarat. And I wanted to look at two main things here, that the Lord is his own shelter. I mean, in this translation it says you're the shelter of all souls, but I really like how Jiva Goswami says, uh, you give shelter to yourself by yourself. So this is from the Atmanatman Ashraya. You give shelter to yourself by yourself. And also I wanted to look at the Satya Sankalpa, uh, that all of your desires are fulfilled. So Satya means, of course, what? Truth, goodness, existence, what is. Uh, we have the word Satva, which means basically isness, or goodness, or truthness. And Sankalpa means one's determination, one's desire, one's objective. So all your objectives are true. All your objectives exist. 
whatever you desire it exists. So you are the shelter of yourself and all your desires always exist. They're always there in truth. And I wanted to look at the jiva also as being such a sankalpa. So Krishna Priya spoke yesterday more about the context of this verse. Uh, she talked about how Narayana is trying to take Krishna out of Vrindavan and get him to do some adulting in Mathura. Uh, so she, tells, she was explaining that so beautifully yesterday, so I'm, I'm not going to talk on that today. I'm just going to talk about the the philosophical content here of what Narayana is saying. So the Lord is his own shelter, and the example given here is of him creating, maintaining, and destroying the universes by creating the modes of nature. And Jiva Goswami is talking, saying this refers to the Mahapurusha, Mahavishnu. So we can say the creator of this world is Garbhadakashai Vishnu. He's the one from whom the lotus stem comes and Brahma is on the lotus stem, and he manifests the planets. But Garbhadakshay Vishnu is resting on whom? Resting on Anandasesh, who is Balaram, who is himself. And we can also say in the whole spiritual world, the whole manifestation of the spiritual world is Balaram, the planets. Yes? Krishna's sitting place, his shoes. He is himself giving shelter to himself. But Garbhadakshayvishnu, what's the other Purusha avatar before him? Kiradakshayvishnu. and then Kiradakshayvishnu, who are manifestations of Vasudeva, Sankarshan, Vajuna, and Buddha. So it's Krishna who's expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. I think you gave a class about the different expansions. Not that long. There was some uh, article in Back to Godhead some years ago about all the different expansions and incarnations. But they're all dependent on themselves. Krishna's Atma Ashraya, he's giving shelter to himself. We can't do that. We might think we can, isn't it? We, like the, the little four year old thinks when I become an adult, I'm going to be my own shelter. Yes? We think like that probably when we were four or five. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to decide what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it and, and what's going to happen. But we find that that's not true. We're dependent on so many things. We're dependent on our government. We're dependent on our friends and family. We're dependent on our employers. We're dependent ultimately on nature. Even if you ended up on some deserted island with no government and no friends and no family, You'd still be dependent on nature, right? We couldn't produce our own food and our own air and our own water. Yeah, we're, 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 we cannot be our own shelter. Right? And even psychologically, it's hard to always be your own shelter, isn't it? It's, it's difficult. We might try. You know, I'm going through some really hard time in life and I just do self-counseling. That works up to a point, but at a certain point, you know, you might have to go see a, 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 some sort of a mental health provider, or you just talk to a friend, isn't it? Unless you become, we're going to get to that. I'm getting it. But I remember it was a, like a little over two years ago when, I, when COVID first hit, and I was I got stuck in North Carolina, and I was I was kind of falling apart. 
And I was really kind of falling apart, and then Kanye Maharaj called me and said, I heard you're not doing so well. And after he talked to me for like five minutes, and my, all my problems were solved, that I couldn't solve myself. And sometimes it's like that, right? We can't always be our own shelter. We're not God. But Krishna can be his own shelter. Of course, it's very interesting in Rasa, we have this concept of the Vishaya and the Ashraya. And one of the five components of rasa is vibhava, what stimulates rasa, and one of those subcategories is the alumbana, what Prabhupada calls basic. And the alumbana is the vishaya, the object of your affection, which is Krishna. Whether it's neutrality, servitorship, friendship, parental or conjugal, the object is Krishna, but then there's also the ashraya, the shelter. And the shelter are the other devotees who have a similar mood of love for Krishna to yourself. So if you love Krishna in the neutral rasa, your shelter are the other devotees in the neutral rasa. If you love Krishna in parental rasa, your shelter are the other devotees in parental rasa. Now what happens when Krishna is loving the jivas? Because it goes in the other direction also, right? It's not just that we love Krishna. Krishna is not an evil dictator. Not like some Hitler, where he wants everyone to love him, but he doesn't love them, right? And he changed the vows of the soldiers, all the military, instead of making a vow to Germany, they had to make a vow to him personally, right? Everybody remembers that in the history. But did he love the, pe- the German people? Did Hitler love the German people? How do we know he didn't love the German people? Because at the end of the war, he blamed the whole thing on that. Yes, at the end of the war, he blamed the whole thing on the German people. And he said, at the end of the war, Tristan and I wrote a history book in the 1980s. So at the, at the end of the war, when he saw he was going to lose, he directed his generals to do what? To Germany, right? To destroy it. He said, destroy all the bridges and the highways and burn down the crops so that when our enemies come to take Germany, there'll be nothing to take. Totally evil, yes. So he asked everybody else to give him absolute allegiance, and he didn't even give people common human decency of having food to eat and a road to run. So Krishna's not like that. I mean, and this is actually our fear of surrender. This is why we don't surrender, actually. We think like that. We think, well, I'll give everything to Krishna, and what will I get? I'll, I'll lose my autonomy. I'll lose my freedom. He'll just take everything from me and give me nothing. This is our primal fear. But Krishna's not like that. Krishna, I'm going to get to this in a minute about the, the Atmanam and devotees. So Krishna also loves the devotees. For Krishna, the devotees are his vishaya. The devotees are his object of love. And think about this for a minute. Let's say I love Krishna with everything that I have. That's the definition of prema. Prema is all of your love is invested in the Lord. So we have some little idea of how much love we have in this world. Not a very good idea. There's some little idea. If we can think of someone we love enough that we would sacrifice a tremendous amount for that person. But that is a little idea. We actually have far, far more love than that. 
But do we have infinite love? The soul. The soul. But still, we're very tiny, aren't we? and Christian gives everything he has to me. Well, there we go. So for Krishna, the, his devotees are his object of love. But who could be Krishna's ashraya? Do you understand? But let's say I want to love Krishna as a friend. Let's say I'm a coward boy and I love Christians as a friend. The other coward boys who think like me and feel like me are my ashraya. But who's Krishna's ashraya? Himself. Atma ashraya. He is always his own ashraya. Do, do you all fall? And his devotees. And his devotees, yes. And his devotees are more deep than that. And But she doesn't have like also an expansion. She's also yes. Very, very as we pay perhaps more esoteric than I was ago. You're probably you're taking us into into a, into a depth of rasa that's beyond my pay grade. So Christian is his own is his own shelter. But thank you. And Krishna also wants to go around to Satya Sankalpa. Whatever he wants is fulfilled. Whatever he wants is fulfilled. Yes? So there's a nice statement in the Chandogya Upanishad 3.14.2 about Krishna having this Satya Sankalpa. It's also in the 11th canto. This idea that his desire is truth. He has a desire and it's immediately truth. Of course, he does this through his energies, isn't it? But his energies in him are not different. And this is a place where the impersonalists get really messed up. So the impersonalists, and this is nice explained in Chaitanya Chaitanya Adi chapter 7, the impersonalists feel that Brahma is transformed into the world. But the transformation is not a Brahman, but a Brahman's energies, which on one hand are the same as him, and on one hand are they different from him. This is the ancient Tibetan That the world is a transformation of the energies of the world. And these energies are all persons. So Krishna has a Vila Shakti. He has a Gyan Shakti. And they know what he wants, and they immediately arrange for it. This is what Prabhupada talked about, the first-class servant, right? The first-class servant understands the mind of the master and arranges for the desires of the master or the employer or whatever to be fulfilled without that person having to ask. Most of us wish that we had somebody like that in our life. Of course, having this desire messes up a lot of relationships where we think, you know, my spouse should know what I want without my having to ask. Yes? And any marital counsel will tell you this is a big problem in marriages. Well, you should just know what I wanted. You know, imagine that. Like, I know people, when they're getting married, they don't want to have a register. They want people to just know what to buy for them. And it's not you have to register. 
You know, also, otherwise you'll get five identical blenders. So we're looking for that. We're looking for someone who just like knows us so well that they just do what we want and get what we want and say what we want without our having to give any kind of indication. And Krishna's first class servants are like that. And of course, the next class is when you're asking to do. So if, if, this, if the spiritual master, if the Lord, if whatever says, you know, please get me this, then you do it. And the next is you do it but grudgingly. I don't want to do it. All right, I'll do it. And that's charity and love passion. Where you know you do something because you're obligated by your superior and then you regret it later. Oh, I, I gave my youthful years to the Hare Christian movement. I should have been out earning a living. And the tenth lesson, there's nothing there's no fourth through ninth. I don't know what those gradations are, but the tenth class server doesn't do. Not even grudgingly. Actually, someone asked me the other day, they said, well, I haven't seen my guru for a while, and I know my guru's getting old, and maybe I should see my guru, but the last time I saw my guru, my guru asked me to do something that I didn't want to do, and I didn't do it, and I'm afraid if I see my guru again, I'll be asked to do something I don't want to do. And so I know I'm not going to follow what he says, and so I'm not sure if I should see him or not. <laughs> so, what should I do? I said, I don't know, maybe we should pray about it. <laughs> that's the 10th that's last sermon. We know in advance, I'm not going to ask even, what can I do? I'm like, no way, because I know I'm not going to follow. But Krishna has these energies that just do. They just anticipate and they just, they just arrange it. Okay. It's like every day we're, we're praying to Tulsi Devi, Rinji Devi. This is one of her jobs. This is her main service along with Purnamasi, that they just arrange all of these pastimes and pastime places every day for the Lord. All right, what pastime is the Lord going to like to do today? All right, we'll set up holy in the spring forest and we'll set up, you know, water pastimes in the summer forest and swing pastimes in the monsoon forest and we're going to have these thick robes and thick incense in the foggy forest and, you know, and we're going to arrange all these different pastimes and all these different games and different games for the coward boys. You know, they play different games every day. Or arranging all the different ingredients, she might have got around and cook something different every day. And someone has to know that, you know, what ingredients to have. Right? I mean, usually you cook here, you just kind of look and see what ingredients are there, isn't it? And sometimes you can ask in advance, you know, I'm going to plan this out and then you've got to tell somebody. So, Satyakopa, whatever he wants is just, it's just there. And this is true in the material and spiritual world. Now, there's an uncomfortable aspect to this fact that all of Krishna's desires are truth. The uncomfortable aspect, which is comforting if you look at the reverse side of the coin, is also that whatever happens, Krishna has at least sanctioned. As Prabhupada said, not a blade of grass moves without the sanction of the Lord. It is not possible for anyone else 
to supersede Krishna's desires. Krishna's desires are truth. They are sattva. You cannot supersede Krishna's desires. Does this make sense to everyone? You can try. There's a lot of demons that try. Hirani Kashiku, of course, is the prime example. I'm going to try to supersede Krishna's desires. And the same day is like, no, not going to work. Balimar is another example. Krishna's desires always win out. One of my favorite stories is of Gandhari and Duryodhana. Gandhari, she had 100 sons, and 99 of them were killed in battle. So she wanted to save her last son. So she said to him, come and see me without clothes. And in those days, you know, you pretty much followed your parents. I mean, this story probably doesn't make any sense in 2022, where people don't have the sense of obedience to their parents. But Duryodhana was like, my mother says to see come see your naked. I'm going to come see your naked. So he's, he's walking towards her, and Krishna sees him walking naked in the camp, battlefield camp. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you walking around naked? And he said, my mother told me to come see you without clothes. And he said, well, obviously when you were a baby, a little child, your mother saw you without clothes. When you're a grown man, it's not, it's not proper anymore. He said, I have to obey my mother. And Krishna said, well, put on some leaf or something. That's not clothes. So you're not naked, but it's not clothes. That way you won't be violating, you'll be following the dharma of seeing your mother, but you won't be violating the dharma of being naked. So Krishna bewildered him and he did this. Now, Gandhari had married a blind man, and in her concept of being fully obedient to her husband, she also voluntarily acted as if she was blind. She wore a blindfold her whole life. I mean, she had many, many servants. It's not that he needed her eyes to function. I think in ordinary marriage it would be good if one of the pair was sighted. <laughs> but uh, she, she did this tapasya, therefore she was called a tapasmini, a great practicer of austerities. So she knew that her austerities had given her power. And then she removed her blindfold and looked at Duryodhana with her sankalpa of making him invincible by her glance so that it would be effective. So Duryodhana comes before her, and she says, My dear son, have you come before me without clothes? Yes, mother. She takes off her blindfold and looks at him, and then she says, What, are you, what have you done? Why do you have a leaf on? And he said, Well, Krishna said. <laughs> and she said, You fools. She said, Anything I've looked at has now become as strong as I am. But this portion of your body, the upper portion of your thighs, uh, is, has remained vulnerable. Now, of course, this particular story is related to the gambling match when Dropi, when the attempt was made to disrobe Dropi, and Duryodhana slapped his thigh and said, Dropi, you already have five husbands, you can certainly have a sixth. Uh, you sit on my thigh and you become my, my maid, become my sex slave, become my maid servant. And Bhima was so angry. He said, I, will, I take a vow that I will break your thigh. So Krishna arranged for Duryodhana's upper thigh to become vulnerable. 
So Krishna's desire, which is related, as we'll get to in a moment, the desire of the devotees, became fulfilled over Gandhari's desire. Does everybody follow it? Gandhari had a desire. She had, a, she had her own son, Kalpa, and she had the potency to make her son's body as strong as iron. But Krishna's son, Kalpa, that Duryodhana would be killed by Bhima by having his body broken, uh, that desire superseded and therefore, whatever desires we have, if they're not in accord with the desires of the Lord, will not be fulfilled the way that we expect. Which means that everything that happens ultimately Krishna's ascension. There's nobody that can do anything for us, good or bad, unless Krishna also agrees. Does anybody follow this logic? Now, the difficulty, the uncomfortableness with this is that we then come to the conclusion that the bad things that happen to us are also sent by God or at least sanctioned by God. As Prabhupada says, you know, nobody will argue that the good things are sent by God, but we have a hard time understanding that the bad things are sent by God. Now, of course, that's also related to our activities. I mean, we are, as the, you know, New Agers like to say, we're the co-creators also. Because both the good and the bad that I'm getting are due, well, if I'm involved karma, they're due to my karma. The agent of my karma, they're just like the FedEx guy or the UPS guy. They're they not delivering, no one can deliver to me something that I haven't ordered. Krishna won't allow that. And if I am free from karma, karma then whatever is happening to me, apparently good or bad, is all good by the will of the Lord. Although it may not appear that way to me in the moment. Just like a little child doesn't understand that it's good for him or her to go to bed at a certain time and put their toys away. They, they just don't understand. Why is that good? They argue about it. Right? The other day when I was visiting my family, you know, and Papa says to Abhimanyu, you have to share your this toy with your brother. And he screams for five minutes. But that's for his benefit, right? You want your children to grow up knowing how to share, isn't it? But he doesn't see it like that. So the so-called bad things that happen to us when we're in devotional life are for our benefit. And the so-called bad things that happen to us when we're under the laws of karma are all our doing. Now, of course, although Krishna Sattva Sankalpa in Rasa, sometimes things appear a little differently with his devotees because of the way there's no taste. And the two examples that I like are with Agasura and with Rukmini. So with Agasura, this huge demon comes, and the coward boys say, What's that? Is it a statue? I think it's a demon. It's a demon? Yeah, it stinks. I think it's alive. Maybe it's a demon. Oh, but if we go into the demon, then Krishna will play the hero and rescue us, and we don't like to do that. So let's go in, let's go in. And they all go into Gossera, and Krishna's like, I didn't want So apparently his Sakya Sankalpa didn't work then. You understand? Because he was saying, I didn't want them to walk to us. 
Alright, now we gotta figure out how to kill the demon without hurting them, because they're inside. But it's explained that Krishna's Lila Shakti understood that Krishna likes to play the hero, and she actually arranged this. But apparently it wasn't according to Krishna's desire. Or another example is with me, where Krishna's teasing with me and he's saying, you know, you can divorce me and marry Shishapal, it's not too late. In a society where divorce was basically unheard of, she was already a grandmother. I mean, it's just, she's like, Krishna's going to leave me. And she faints. And Krishna takes her up and he says, I didn't think you would faint. I thought that you would banter. Prabhupada said, this is one of the pleasures in household life, the banter between husband and wife. I, I know one couple, they tell me, they said, the greatest pleasure we have in our marriages are our little petty arguments. One time I was visiting them, they started arguing like that. I said, really, you should believe this is our enjoyment, but you won't understand. So Krishna says to me, I wanted you to argue with me. So you could say, it's such a son, Papa, didn't work then. But Krishna likes this. It's not that he wants his devotees to be robots. You know, we like surprise parties, most of us. So now, what about the jiva? Also in the Chadogya Upanishad 871 and 873, the jiva is listed as such a symbol. Now that's interesting. That the jiva, the soul, also has all their desires But of course, not independently. That among all the living entities, Krishna is fulfilling everyone's desire. And you can say, well, I'm not getting my desires fulfilled in this world, but we are. We're just idiots. Sorry. I mean, we just don't know what to desire. That's all. You know, we desire things that harm us. We're just foolish. But yes, everything we're getting is our desire. And spiritually, everything we get is our desire, but at least we know what the desire. Of course, in this world, even though everything we get is our desire, we still have to work for it, isn't it? We can't just, like, sit around and desire. I desire it. And there's a, one really light, nice lecture that Prabhupada gave in Bhagavad Gita 7, 8 through 14, where Krishna says, Kama Raga Vivarjitam. That Krishna is Kama Raga Vivarjitam. It's one of the lists. When Krishna identifies in the Bhagavad Gita, I am this, I am this, I am this. And Prabhupada says, Kama. Kama means desire. Raga Vivarjitam. Without attraction. Desire without attraction, that is Krishna. Desire without attraction, how can it be possible? Desire without attraction. Whenever we desire something, I want some young girl, I desire. Desire means I have attraction. But desire without attraction, how is it possible? Can you explain? Yes. Desire without attraction means Krishna consciousness. I desire for Krishna's benefit, not for my benefit. That is desire without attraction so that Kama Raga Vivar Gita. 
So when the living entity has that kind of desire, then the living entity is such a sankalpa, just like Krishna. Krishna, who is swarapaki, 